preach, I like to focus on one passage of Scripture and just kind of exegete that one, that one passage or, or that one chapter if we have time, the whole book, or if we have weeks, you know, the whole book. Uh, this morning's sermon is not, is not that. We're not focusing on any one passage, but we'll make a couple stops along the way, and there will certainly be a lot of Scripture that we'll bring into the message this morning. Um, it, is a, it is a sermon that I've been working on since 2014. Haven't perfected it yet. Uh, in, in its entirety, it's anywhere from 50 minutes to an hour and a half. I'm going to give you the short version right around 25, 30 minutes. Y'all okay with that? Or would y'all want to? I can go the full hour and a half, but we're, we're, we're good. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, cut it, uh, we'll cut it around noon. But, um, but anyway, so, and you'll see along the way why it continues to change. There's I've, I've several versions of this one message. In fact, this is the, about the seventh this week that I ended up printing off for you all because uh, it's just there's a lot to be said. And, and every, along the way, you'll, and, you'll, and you'll see it here in a second, but along the way, Everything that I mentioned could be its own, its own sermon in its entirety. Well, that said, let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. God, would you speak now and move me out of the way? I pray I'll go as far as you allow me to go and no further. Would you give me the discernment to know when to press in and the discernment to know when to relent? And I pray above all things you're glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In 2014, I think it was the summer of 2014, I was in the Philippines, and I've lost count, honestly, of how many times I've, I've been. I'm not, I'm not sure. This might have been trip four or five. Um, but it's the summer of 2014, and, uh, and, and one of the ministries that you, can, that you can do while you're there is nightly devotions with the children. Now, there's usually teams from Australia and teams from China and other parts of, of the world that gather at Kids International Ministries in the Philippines. And it was no different. In fact, three weeks ago when we were there, there were teams from Australia and a team from, from Hong Kong. And that was the same way in, in 2014. And so you have to sign up pretty early in the morning to, uh, to, have, to, to, book the, uh, to be the team that books the nightly devotion. And so uh, it was just myself and a couple of my friends. I wasn't even a part of a big team. But so the three of us, four of us, we, we said, hey, we'll do the devotion tonight. So at 7 o'clock that night, went and did the devotion. It's a, a little song or a couple songs. And then you share a devotion or act out a skit. And then you can play with the kids. And then they go to bed. And then you go back to, uh, to your space. Well, after, after we finish the devotion, this little girl comes up to me and she says, uh, Tito Tyler, which means Mr. You know, Mr. Tyler. Mr. Tyler, will you, um, will you let me read your Bible? I want to show you that I can read. You know, okay, great. How, can I use your Bible? Yes, ma'am, you can. So we go sit down, and, um, and I'm, very, I'm very careful and very cautious with, with my Bible. It's my Bible, right? Like I have things highlighted in there, I have things underlined, I have words written in the margins, and a lot of memories with this Bible has been, it goes where I go, and, it's, and this Bible has been a lot of places with me. And so she starts turning the pages rather aggressively, and I start getting a little bit nervous. And again, I'm very, very comfortable with my Bible. You name a verse, and, and, and there's several verses that I know where on the page that verse is, right? Like I'm just, I'm very close with this Bible. I don't loan it out to people very, you know, very often because it's, again, I'll, I'll hold it for you, but I don't, I'm just not going to throw it to you. I'm very careful with it. I had another one like that that, uh, that um, I retired a, a few years ago before I got this one. In fact, I'll share this story in the future. When we were robbed at gunpoint in Tanzania on another mission trip, my Bible was the only thing I asked for back. That's the only thing you can't have my Bible. That's my, and so I'm very, very close to my Bible. And so this little girl, she's turning it rather aggressively, the pages, and, uh, and, and I'm thinking she's going to kill it, right? Like I'm just, it stresses me out. And so I take my Bible back and say, well, why don't you let me hold it? I'll, I'll hold it, and you just, you just continue to read. About that time, a little bitty boy, a little Filipino boy, comes over, slams his hand down, 
and just rips a page right out of my Bible. I know that's how I felt. I don't know. And uh, and the kid, it was a clean tear. I mean, just I mean, not a single word was was split in half. I mean, just a clean tear rips the page right out. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I was not I was not mad, but I was furious with this uh, with this little kid. And uh, uh, shortly after that, I felt like you know what, maybe it's time for me to go back, head over to uh, to, to my room. And so I go into the kitchen of, of the place where we were staying, and I tape the, the page back in my Bible. And you can see it. The girl ripped uh, Genesis 43 and 44 clean out of my Bible. And so we were able to tape the page back. And in, um, in, in, so you probably won't hear any sermons from that passage because I don't want to turn that page. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's still there. But, uh, but anyway, I taped the page back into the Bible. And as I was taping the page back in my Bible, there was this thought of, like how how could you this little kid and granted he's a small child but there was still this thought of how can you be so careless with something that is so important to me has so much worth so much value to me how can you be so careless with it like don't you know and surely you know this is important to me but as soon as I had that thought it was followed up with another thought of like couldn't God say the same of us couldn't He ask the same of us like how can you be so careless with something that is so important to me, so valuable to me. And so this morning, I want to go through a couple things, and I want to ask you to take an honest look at your heart, an honest look at your personal life, and, and you don't have to answer any of these questions out loud, but I do want you to think about these as we go through them. First of all, are we careless with, are we careless with the Bible? Are we ripping pages out? We don't like what it says, so let's take that. That doesn't apply anymore. We don't like, we like the first half of this verse, not the second half, so let's just, let's do away with that verse. Let's do away with this book of the Bible. Let's do away with this passage. We'll do away with this story. We're just tearing pages out of our Bible. Are we careless with the Scripture? Are we careless with the name of Jesus? Are we careless with the name of God? Do we only say that, say His name when it's followed by a cuss word, or do we, do we hallow God's name? Do we honor God's name? Are we careless with the name of Jesus? How about our time? Are we careless? Are you? Am I? Are we? Is the church? Are you careless with your time? What do you spend your free time doing? Your free time thinking about? In fact, how much more time do you think you'll have on this earth? How many more sunsets do you think you'll see? How many more Christmases where the grandchildren run through the house and there's wrapping paper everywhere, how many more of those moments do you think you'll get on this earth? You know, we, we tend to um, view the days ahead of us as if they're, uh, as if we're not going to run out of tomorrows. In fact, uh, the, day, the day before we left from the Philippines to come, to come back here, I was checking uh, my email maybe once every two or three days, and I, and I get on, I get online, and and I and I see these messages from my wife. Hey, call me when you can. There's been an emergency. Something bad has happened. Call me. I need to talk to you whenever you can. Call me. Something bad has happened. It's just one after the other, and so um, they all just kind of showed up in my inbox at one time. So I, right then, I, I tried to, to to Skype my wife. And if you were in here when we tried to Skype. Uh, in the Philippines, you're, you're aware that the, the connection was not very good, right? And so I was FaceTime or Skyping with my wife, and, 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 and it's breaking up, breaking up. Then I hear dead, and then breaking up, breaking up even more. And so I'm starting to panic a little bit, like, what, what, what's happened? Who, did somebody pass away? 
Well, her, her uncle, who's 57 years old, uh, on, on June 9th, so again, just a couple days before we were, we were leaving, um, but on, on June 9th, they, uh, they, found him and they found him and passed away, dead, and he's uh, 57 years old, died unexpectedly, um, and they found him in the garage. And so I come home with the emotions of the Philippines and having to leave the Philippines, and I, and I come home and enter into a family that is, that is grieving an unexpected tragedy where you have uh, people who have lost their son, who've lost their father, one lost her spouse, people lost their best friend, and all of us, you know, we go to this funeral, and it's in, it's in First Methodist uh, Bethstavia, it's a massive church, big church, I mean, almost standing room only, the place is packed, and for an hour and a half, we just listen to family members and friends share stories of how much this man meant to, meant to them, and all of us in that room thought we had more time the Charles, all of us. Have we become careless with our time? How much more time do you think you have with your loved ones? Job 14, 5. Job says this. He says, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. I'm 30 years old. What if, what if I don't make it to 32? What if 31 is the number that God has, has determined that I have? And if we struggle with that, this is what Job says. Man's days are determined. You're not going to exceed the number that God has set for you. So hear me. It's okay. Absolutely. Uh, take care of your body. Eat all the spinach and kale you want. But that's not going to... Spinach and kale is not sovereign over when you leave this earth. God is. Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So where's the wisdom in knowing that our days are numbered? And why is Moses... Telling God and asking God, teach me that my days are numbered so that my, so I have a heart of wisdom. So that I won't live today as if I have thousands of tomorrows. What if today is it? James 4.14 says, you are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So think about you know, the dew on the grass and the vapor in the wind. But the Bible compares our life to the dew and the grass, just morning mist. And we think in terms of here today and gone tomorrow, those of us who, I'm only 30, so I'm not old, but I'm no longer young and cool, but at my stance now, I can see how quickly time goes by. And so we look at a lot of life of here today, gone tomorrow, but yet when it comes to our life, the Bible doesn't even give us the whole day. The dew, the, the mist in the morning, the dew on the grass is here in the morning and then gone in the morning. So in the grand scheme of eternity, we're only here for a very little while. Have we become careless with our time? What do we spend our time doing? What do we spend our time thinking about? Have we become careless with our words? Careless with our tongues? Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. If that's true, and I believe that to be true, I can't encourage us more to speak life. If the tongue has the power of life and death, can't encourage you more. Speak life. Have we become careless with our work? Are we lazy or do we have a good work ethic? How about our vows? Numbers 30 verse 2 says, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he says. Psalms 15.4 is referring to a man who can keep his oath even when it hurts. 
question in Matthew 5 and James 5. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Have we become careless with making a promise to someone? Are we careless with our vows? Or can we follow through with them? Yes, I'll be there and we have no intention of showing up. Or yes, I'll be there unless something better than that comes up, then I won't be there. Are we careless when it comes to making promises? How about with our family? Have we become careless in honoring our parents or honoring our children, discipling our children, praying as a family? How about our marriage or in singleness? Are we honoring purity in marriage? Are we honoring purity for those who aren't married? And we just spent four weeks focusing on men, the role of a man, the role of women, the role of father, wife, husband, mother, children, family. We spent four weeks. It was very beneficial for my wife and me. We spent four weeks focusing on that. Have we become careless with the family? And this one may sting a little bit, but have we become careless with being a member of this church? And I know this is something I've said before, but are we careless with being a member of the church? Do we, we stand before the church and we make a vow to support the church with prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. How are we doing with that? I mean, if you have no intention, if you're a member here and you have no intention of supporting the church with prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness, you have no intention of tithing, of coming, of, of praying for the people on the prayer list, just remove your name from membership. Right? You can still come to church here, but then you can guilt freely not tithe, not come to church, not hold anybody accountable, not yourself be held accountable. Then you can guilt freely not volunteer. Have we become careless with what it means to be a covenant member of the body of Christ? How about our spiritual disciplines? With reading scripture, how often do we read the scripture and study the word of God? How often do we spend time just praying before God and worshiping, making much of the name of Jesus? A few more. How about preaching the gospel to ourselves? Do we entertain self-condemning thoughts? Or is our identity so embedded in, in Christ that we can take every thought captive because we know the gospel and we constantly preach the gospel to ourselves? Then how about sharing the gospel with other people? Second Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy 4, 5. says, do the work of an evangelist. He doesn't ask Timothy if he has the gift of evangelism. He just says, be active in sharing your faith. Simply be active in sharing with other people what God has done for you. Have we become careless with that? And finally, and you know where this is going, have we become careless in our relationship with God? I want to show you a couple pictures. I'm going to step down so I can see the screen. I want to share with you just a, a couple pictures of, uh, of a place that's very dear, uh, very dear to me. It's Bonifay, Florida, uh, Holmes County. It's a population of maybe 2,700 people. It's a small little dirt road town in Florida. It's, uh, it's got palm trees because it's Florida, but it's not the beachy side of Florida. It's much more moss in the trees, swamps. Uh, that's just, that's, I don't tell anybody where I'm from without mentioning Bonifay. I love this place. We can start with the first, first little picture. I'm go through a couple of these rather quickly. Uh, this is a football stadium. It's where they, uh, the high school team plays and it's where they hold the rodeo. So one, one week out of the year, I'd wear a cowboy hat. Um, on the, uh, the, the stands to the left is where um, I was saved at seven years old, seven or eight-ish years old. I was sitting next to my dad, heard the gospel, said I want to respond to that. So we walked down the, the steps, came up to the football field, got behind some blue curtains, and we prayed together, and, and I cried. And anyway, that's where to the, the seats to the left is where, uh, is where I was saved. You can go to the next one. This is the, it's also the first place I ever put a robe on. It was a little loose back then, but that's the first place I put it. That's my brother in the side, photobombing. You can go to the next. 
Uh, this is a, my fourth grade classroom. Uh, I was in fourth grade, had the greatest teacher of my life, uh, Miss Vera. Uh, loved her, uh, still to this day means a lot to me. And uh, so the special memories of this classroom. In fact, Bonifay is so close to me in their football stadium, uh, the parsonage, uh, the school, because I, I was lived there from first grade through fourth grade. So it was the innocence of childhood. I mean, everything, it was great. Everything, I was a wide-eyed, I was such a, uh, a, a happy and excited and I would dare say a sweet little boy, certainly not the cynical person standing before you today, but I was just such a wide-eyed, sweet, innocent, happy little little kid. And, um, and so before I proposed to my wife, we took a trip to Bonifay. And I said, you got to see my people, man. you got to see where I'm from. i got to show you the roads I used to own. And, uh, and so we went down to, to, uh, to Bonifay, and I showed her the high school stadium, and then I, we went to the school, and the school was open. So some teachers were there, so I was able to see actually my first and second grade teacher. We walked into the, to my fourth grade class. The teacher is behind the computer monitor on the far left. So uh, it was a little bit uncomfortable just to walk in, take a picture, and try to make small talk, and then leave. But I say all that to say that this place is very important to me. Okay, very important to me. We can go to the, uh, to the next, next picture. Uh, this is my house on the right. That's the church parsonage, and then on the left, of course, is the church. You can go to the next picture, Chris. This is uh, my friend. His name is Ben. His family still lives there. In fact, we went by the house and, uh, and, and spent some time with them when I took my wife there, I don't know, four years ago or so when we, when we, passed, through to, uh, when we passed through Bonifay to show her. So they still live there in this house. You can go to the next one. Uh, this might be difficult to see. This is um, from Google Earth. Do you see on the bottom right corner, can you see the, um, the parking lot? The bottom right corner. Can anybody see that? Right across the street to the left from that parking lot is the church. Just in front of that church is the parsonage. Okay, does everybody see where we are? Now go all the way to the top left corner. Do you see the little semicircle driveway? Right across the street from that driveway is Ben Harrison's house. Okay, so that was Ben's house in the top left. I live down here in the bottom right. All in all, it's about two blocks. But as a kid, uh, it was a marathon away. Uh, I would spend many a days at Ben's house. And if I left a toy or if I left a pair of shoes, if I left something at his house... Yeah, I'll just soon forget it. I'll get it at school or I'll get it at church. I'm certainly not walking or riding my bike back. It's too far. It's too hot. I'm not doing it. I'm not going back. I've just, or I've lost it forever. Okay? Also, you'll see two, uh, two roads coming from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen, running parallel to one another. Do you see the road on the, on the right in between two apartment complexes? This road is a, uh, is a gigantic hill. I mean, it is, a steep, it is as steep as you know, this wall. I mean, it's just... As a kid, you would only ride down this road for two reasons, one of two reasons. You were either bet that you wouldn't do it, and so, you know, or you were dared to do it. That was the only, that was the only reason that you, would, uh, that you would ride down that street on such a steep hill with a, with, with, without a helmet. Because you know, I guess my parents didn't love me. I didn't have a helmet. So we, uh, so we would just ride down this hill. And actually, have, we have a picture of the hill. You can see it. We'll cut to the next, cut to the next picture. Okay, there it is. I know. That's what that's what I think. It's uh now it's, you know you realize with a little bit of um, of perspective that it's not it's not steep at all, right? It's it's a it's very flat. And um, several years ago when I when I took my wife there again, I was telling her how far it was from our house to Ben's house because as a kid that was incredibly far, and I was telling her how steep this hill was. Now I could probably run from my house to Ben's house and get there in probably 20 25 seconds. And I'm not even all that fast anymore, but I could make it there. In, uh, in about 20 seconds. This hill is uh, it's probably not even as steep as this middle aisle in the church. Like it's just, not, it's just not steep at all. But as a kid, 
the perspective was you could go so fast down that hill that can only mean one thing. If you fall off, it's instant death. If you fall off your bike, no, no chance you're going to die. Um, also, it, 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 was, it was a monster of a hill. You couldn't, you couldn't ride up it. None of us could. You would have to get off the bike and walk up the street. Now, again, I say all of that simply to say this. What happens when in our relationship with God, when we first believed God was huge, he was massive, he was big, and he could answer any prayer, he could heal anybody, he was everywhere, he was all-knowing, that's what we believed, and he was abounding in grace, he wasn't angry, he was a loving God, and yet over time, all of a sudden our view of God is, is well, he doesn't answer prayers, and he says no to prayers for healing, and and he's angry with me, and he doesn't show me any grace. Plenty of grace for you, just not grace for me. So how can it be that today, those of us who have been walking with God for 5, 10, 20, 40 years, how can God be smaller to us today than he was 40 years ago, 20 years ago? Can that even be? And so I know what can be said of why the hill is no longer as big as I thought it was. You could say, well, Tyler, you grew up and you matured. And so your perspective changed. The hill didn't change. You changed and you grew up and you matured. And yet the same could be said spiritually of why isn't God as big for us today as he once was. Well, because you grew and you matured, just not in Christ. Because as soon as you become a believer and you are submitted to the lordship of Jesus and you're, you're in love with him and you're, you're reading the scripture, studying the scripture, shouldn't God be bigger now than he's ever been to me? Shouldn't God be more faithful? I should have more stories of God's faithfulness now, not less. God should be able to do certainly more than I can imagine. That's from Ephesians 3.20. Have we become careless? Have we become idle? Idleness, the Greek word for idleness that we'll see in, in Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians 5 and 3. Uh, the Greek word is ataktos, which simply means undisciplined or insubordinate. Think about that. Are we not only careless, but are we idle, are we undisciplined when it comes to the things of God? And so this is ultimately what I'm going to share with you from 1 Thessalonians 5.14 and then 2 Thessalonians 3.6. Ultimately, Paul and Silas and Timothy are referring to working, like physical, physically working. But the same principle applies to, to spiritual aspects as well. And he says, and we urge you, brothers... Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid to help the weak. Be patient with everyone, but warn those who are idle. So if they're lazy in their work, Paul says warn them. But also this applies to if we're lazy spiritually. If we've become careless with the things of God, we should be warned of our idleness. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Look at how harsh that language is. Keep away. I'm going to warn you who are idle, but also Paul says, keep away from a brother who's idle. Look at how harsh that sounds. Well, ultimately, what is he referring to? You can be influenced by the company you keep. So if you surround yourself with a community of people who don't take seriously the things of God, don't be surprised if you find yourself drifting with them. In the same way, if you find yourself surrounded by people who genuinely love the Lord, who honor the commands of Christ, who take seriously the call of God, who are constantly trying to mature and grow and go deeper in the things of their faith, don't be surprised if that too is contagious and you find yourself, yeah, I want to I know more about God as well. Let's study God. Let's talk about God. What's God doing in your life? 
they'll be surprised if those conversations come up, but they're only going to come up with people who are not idle in their faith. Have we become careless? Have we become idle in our faith? And then finally, 2 Corinthians 4, and you see this in 4-7, it's really the whole chapter, but we get this, uh, this imagery of treasures in jars of clay. And the treasures are referenced to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ that we see in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4. And the jars of clay is a common metaphor for human weakness. We see this in Psalm 31 and Isaiah 30 where David and Isaiah both say they feel like they, feel like they are broken pieces of pottery. So they compare themselves to being brittle and fragile and weak, but they've been entrusted with, with revelation from God. They've been entrusted with truth from God. And they say, I feel like broken pottery. I feel so weak to carry what God has entrusted me with. So my encouragement today is to really think about what that means to be entrusted, to be a, a pot of clay, a jar of clay, brittle, fragile, weak. And that's all of us. See, our problem in life is not that we're not strong enough. It's just too often we don't see ourselves as weak enough. We walk with this pride that we're stronger than we are. And yet, the Bible compares us to, no, no, you're like a, like a pot of clay, a jar of clay made from clay. And God has entrusted to you, He has chosen that you can host His presence, that you will house the Holy Spirit and have all knowledge of God's truth and God's grace here. Have we become careless with that that is so important to God? Let's pray. Lord, would you forgive us when we have become idle spiritually, Lord? Whenever we've become careless with things that are of great worth and great importance to you, God, thank you for entrusting us, our broken vessels, to advance your kingdom. Lord, we love you and help us to love you more. Help us to love one another more. God, help us to speak life to one another, to continue to pray with one another and pray for one another. God, thank you for loving us and giving us your son. God, help us to be great stewards of that gift. I pray above all things you're glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.